Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a spooky episode of the Prime <laughs> Subjective. I don't know why I chose spooky. It's just a regular episode. It's the crypt, you're the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> I'm the Crypt Keeper. Welcome to the Prime Subjective, where we will be reviewing two episodes of Star Trek, one new and one classic. The new episode <laughs> is from Star Trek Lower Deck, Season 3, Episode 5, called... Um, um, uh, season episode six, I should say. It's called Here All Trust Nothing. And our episode of Classique that we are reviewing is from Star Trek Enterprise. I believe it's called Dear Doctor. Is that yes. correct? <laughs> season one, what? episode 13. Wonder oh, how 13. deliciously evil. Yeah. Yes, wonderful. <laughs> I love that. And voice. I'm going to lose that voice because that is just exhausting. Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm Chris Newcomer. Welcome to the Prime Subjective. With me, as always, we have Carrie Coleman Henners. Hello. We have Janim. It's almost time for candy season. Well, that was certainly creepy in its own way. And we have Michael Henley. <laughs> He's dead, Jim. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, I'll start with my favorite segment, uh, which is um, called, it's a very complicated segment called, How Are You Doing? And Michael yeah. Henley, how are you doing? Doing great. Um, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm trying to think of things to report, honestly, but uh, I don't know, just good, I guess. I don't know. Does anybody feel like time is just going like super, 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 super fast? Um, is that a good thing? I think it's, a, I, 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 mm, I, I think so. I guess so. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, things are good. I wish okay. I had something to report. Maybe it'll come to me. No news is good news, I would say, sometimes. Sometimes yes. it's okay. There's enough news going on that's crazy. Yeah. That sometimes in our own lives, a little, you know. Good boy. Hmm. Steadiness is good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of steadiness, Jane hmm. M, how are you doing? I don't know why that was my yeah, statement. I, I feel like I'm, I'm very unstable. Uh, call me a liberal American because I'm vaxxed and taxed, baby. Yeah, got my booster and my flu shot today. Good for you. Nice. nice. Yeah, and uh, and the 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 vaccination tech asked me which one I wanted in which arm, mm -hmm. and I jokingly said like, "Well, is there one that hurts more?" And she went, "Oh, the booster," and she said it really <laughs> fast. I did not like how fast that huh. answer came. I mean, so I got that. One they, is it like a different needle or like a bigger it's needle? I thought they both hurt equally. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know they punch you after one, and then they, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did feel like a bruise when I a little bit mm -hmm. when I got. Yeah, I honestly feel fine. Yeah, yeah. You know what's what's weird is my tech told me that I should get both shots in the same arm, which I thought was kind of a weird suggestion, and I did it, and it was a bad idea. Oh. I did that. It ended up being fine for me, but I think it, it does localize. You do get all the pain in one place. Yeah. yeah. Um, Weak immune system club, baby. Woo. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> well, I mean, if you don't have a strong reaction, that means your immune system's throwing in the towel. Ain't doing too much. Oh. Oh, wait. What? Oh. If you don't have that. a... Really? If you... I oh. think so. I think oh. I heard this somewhere. Are you a doctor? Oh. <laughs> You're a doctor. No. I thought it was just... I thought it was just like one of those weird things we don't fully understand yet. Um, I thought it's because I had COVID twice, and my body was like, "What? It could be a two. Yeah. You I, said COVID. Oh my gosh, Jay, you had COVID. Oh, oh yeah, I, had, yeah. I had COVID four months ago, so I probably still have immunity from that. But sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huh. Hey, Carrie. Yes. I'm gonna ask. Actually, I'm gonna ask the, the lady with the, the head of block of cheese for a head behind you. But how are you yeah. doing? <laughs> I I'm doing I'm doing well. I mean, there's actually so much going on. That's why I just want to talk about TV shows because Happy I don't that. actually. That's why I keep going to want to talk about TV shows because I'm like, you know what? You don't really want to hear. You don't really want to hear how I'm doing. Um, it's too much. We've just been getting ready for. Um, you know, a baby in our lives. B -b -b baby, sorry, we're bringing a baby. B -b 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 baby. <laughs> yeah, we're bringing a new Star Trek fan into the household. A little Jean Luc. I think we're going to call him Jean Luc. Oh, good. Um, so he'll he'll be here next month. So we're just like 
we have all of his things here you know it's like waiting for a guest to show up it's like okay yeah. we got all your clothes we got your bed we got all the things and now we just are like wait for you yeah it's just like and the guest is there they're just taking a lo- an extra long nap yeah. before they yeah <laughs> it's like stuck in traffic um <laughs> but otherwise otherwise uh okay i guess um but i have a question that's unrelated and it's not really a review but have you guys seen the um glow up on netflix the the makeup competition <laughs> show? i haven't yeah. seen the new season but i watched the first couple seasons yeah why ding does dong that... yes that's my question why did she say ding dong because like, she's trying to make a catchphrase yeah, I mean, but everyone is like, oh, hopefully I get a ding dong today. And yeah. she's like, that's, that's a ding dong from me, baby. And I'm like, yeah, told she, her to oh, do that? Huh. There's a reason that she's someone who does makeup as her speciality. And she's not like, I don't know, a comedian <laughs> or actress. She because, just, it, yeah. Yeah, not her, not her strong suit. It just but, um, felt like she's like, okay, I'm going to be on a show. I got to come up with a catchphrase. I got to come up with a catchphrase. And she oh. was just like workshopping <laughs> things. And that's what she well, yeah, And you know what? Oh. I bet that wasn't just her catchphrase. <laughs> I bet she, I bet there was a production team that told her, hey, we think Ding Dong has legs. We want you to go with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but you know what? That was the result of several meetings where, like, you, yeah. know, what really, you know what really popped D words? So, like, yeah. get, what about a double D word? Oh. Oh, you're on to something. You're like ding dong. Yeah. Okay, ding listen, dong. We, we really don't love dong dong, but ding no. dong. Ding dong. No, yeah. ding, ding dong. Yeah. yeah. Have well, part of the reason it works letter. is her sort of her sort of cockney-ish accent too. Ding mm-hmm. dong. It's I can't do it right now because yeah. I'm thinking about it too much. It but. is. No, it is sort of like a cockney like <laughs> Long Island though. It's yeah, like yeah. kind <laughs> of like yeah, that ding dong. Oh, yeah. I was dong, about to say that, that Chris, your first try that that sounded kind of Bostonian, honestly. So well, I mean, it's all, they're oh, all, it's I got all like Guido Italian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got heavy Guido Italian. Here, I'll all try right. one more time. Ding dong. No, that's not it either. I don't that's... think, I don't think I'm getting further away from it. Uh, I'm more Julie Andrews, which is also often my default. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> is the new season, are you watching in all, like the first season or are you on the, on like the. Oh, well, the most recent season. I'm like. I'm not a makeup person. I'm an artist, but I'm not a makeup person. So I'm always like shocked to to see what they think is good and what they think is terrible. And I'm like, really, you like that? That's weird. (laughs) I always like, because at the end they have this thing. I don't know if you boys have seen the show, but at the end they have this thing where like if the two like like people about to be eliminated have to do like a timed challenge and it's yeah. often on just a set of twins they have lying around yeah they just have like, a bunch of twins <laughs> i've often wondered backstage. that too oh they have like a list of twins that they call in like and like we want you to do a bejeweled lip now i want yeah. 10 10 jewels on the top lip and only one on the bottom lip only one on the bottom lip and then of course <laughs> Inevitably, someone's like, I thought the bottom lip needed more jewels. And then that person goes home. You know, it's Ew. very. <laughs> uh-huh. I see. Oh, but my. To be fair, though, we're talking about it in this way, which means it does have some, some you know, watching value. Um, yeah. It's a good time. It can be a good time. I'm into so. the art. I'm into the art of it. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. I uh, I was not feeling well over the weekend. Had a little bit of a some tummy trubs, but um, so I had a bit of a quiet weekend. Apart from uh, doing my my gay duty of watching Hocus Pocus two with some uh, other oh, people. Yeah. Uh, there you Monday go. Night. There you go. Turns out we were supposed to be watching Bros. Who knew? Oops, sorry. Let you down, <laughs> Billy. I'm so sorry. I will see it. I will see it. Um, uh, but yeah, but Hocus Pocus two was was really enjoyable. I had a good time. I didn't expect it to be, you know. With um, Doug Jones Schindler's in it, List. <laughs> but, Doug oh. Jones. Doug Jones is in it, right, Chris? Yes, he is. Yes, yeah. He is, he is, yeah. I think that's cool. Lines that's cool. and all. Yeah. Yeah. Re, re, yeah. Re, re, revisiting his his previous role as Billy Butcherson. Mm. But also, the, it opens with like a twenty minute vignette of like the young Sanderson sisters, and I'm just like, I would watch a ten episode series of that. <laughs> it, was, it was quite good. But also, um, who is the actor who plays Buster on Arrested Development? Tony Hale. The Tony, Tony Hale, Hale plays like both like both in like olden times like the, the tony hale's in it tony oh, hale's man. in it tony hale's great nice. of course tony he's hale's so always course. great uh-huh and tony hale likes yeah. a paycheck he's done a couple of things she's just like i don't know why i'm here but i love money <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> i love a paycheck I love it a sounds paycheck. like a clean ding dong 
That's a big <laughs> Way further to the to the Bronx side of things, but that's yeah, it's that that is definitely Bronx or you know Jersey. Well, you know. we're not, but you know what? We're not yeah. here to talk about my bad British accent. We're here to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> And uh, I don't believe we have any Trek have any Trek in the news. So maybe what we'll do is uh, oh. dive into um, this episode of Star Trek Lower Decks season six here. All trust nothing. I'm going to give a quick synopsis, and then we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Captain Carol Freeman oversees trade negotiations with the Karema at Deep Space Nine, <gasps> alongside yeah. Kira Doris, Uh Mariner struggles to be personable with Jen's friends who engage in pretentious salons where they engage in bad performance art and light candles charged with their intentions. Uh, Tendi and Rutherford tour DS9, but encounter an Orion DS9 officer, Mesk, who tags along, excited to meet another Orion and relishing in their culture's criminal behaviors to Tendi's chagrin. Mm. Meanwhile, failing negotiations force Freeman to seek out Quark, who has invented a new replicator used in his successful bar franchise, Quark's. Uh, the Karema are livid upon seeing Quark's replicator and kidnap him using a device to shut down all power on DS9. Uh, the power failure seals the salon attendees inside their room, which begins losing oxygen rapidly due to the candles. <laughs> tries to be gently, tries to gently suggest extinguishing the candles, but Jen's hysterical friends refuse to listen. Uh, Jen tells Mariner not to worry about her friends affecting their relationship and gives her permission to handle them as she usually would. Mariner gleefully stuns them all with her phaser to reduce their oxygen intake. <laughs> she and Jen extinguish the candles, kiss, and stun themselves. Uh, meanwhile, Tendi erupts at Mesk, saying that Orion pirate culture makes her ashamed, and Mesk confesses that he was adopted on Earth and only learned of their culture through trashy novels and others' expectations of him, adopting oh the persona with no other Orions around to tell him differently. Uh, Tendi <laughs> sympathizes and tells him to just be himself. They witness the... Uh, Karema uh, absconding with Quark aboard their ship. Using their um, using her impressive pirate skills, Tendi single-handedly uh, comm- commandeers the vessel, allowing DS9 to apprehend the Karema. In the brig, the Karema re- revealed that Quark's replicators were made of their stolen technology and that Quark was being arrested, not kidnapped. Uh, and Freeman forges a successful negotiation where the Karema receive 76% of Quark's franchise profits, uh, and Tendi resolves to embrace her heritage. Ooh. Oh, man, I have to tell you, so unknowing what this, I did not know what this episode was about, but because of what we were, you know, these recent Deep Space Nine episodes we've been watching, I was like, I should finish the series. So I literally yeah. finished Deep Space Nine. Ah, oh, nice. Wow. And then watched this. <laughs> nice. Perfect timing. It yeah, was I, it's so perfect. great that we talked about, we had an in-depth Deep Space Nine uh, conversation last week, because now we can talk about it some more. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. And I, th- I thought this episode was really great. I really, I mean, top yeah. to bottom enjoyed it. Absolutely. And, no, I, I I love this too. Yeah, and especially, I mean, you know, Chris, I mean, not only was that super appropriate, the fact that you just finished it, but it's also, it's kind of, like, the interesting thing is, like, when D Space Nine ended, like, it was kind of, there was a kind of sense in the franchise they were basically just like okay let's not never talk about that again not because like it was bad but more just because it was underappreciated at the time the ratings weren't so great i guess or whatever and now i think the going logic has the pendulum is fully swung for fans where it's just like dj's nine is one of the best shows out there um but it felt like it took the shows itself kind of a while to catch up to that too so to have an episode of lower decks that was a full-fledged ds9 tribute not like a little reference or something like that but just full-on straight up you know, you know, characters from the show, (laughs) two characters from the show. And not only that, not only that, there are so many touches in this episode that I love right down to the, the, the sets, how beautifully they're animated and everything. But there's a moment when we first meet Kira, when she looks out the window to see the, 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 to see the, the, the wormhole opening and you know what she's thinking. Uh, and they don't reference it, just just the idea that one day Cisco will be back. And they don't <laughs> reference it. They don't they, they don't explain what she's thinking. They just leave that moment in before the episode gets on to business. I love that so much. She wasn't thinking of her pile of goo in the uh, in the gamma quadrant. Uh. Maybe, maybe she was thinking of her pile. Yeah, I mean, you know. I you know what? Also, because the ending of the um, the Deep Space Nine is a little like bittersweet. Yeah. It was like yeah. not like happy. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. not like. It was like happy for some people, good for some people, good for bad. So I think it was like a, a a good way to end the series. I think they did it very well. 
Um, I loved in this episode the the bit where they're just flying around Deep Space oh, yeah. Nine because they're like, just just fly around like you don't know which pylon to go. We'll just do this. And it's just like referencing the, the theme song where they're just circling Deep Space Nine. But I love the animation of the ship. It was really good. And the wormhole. The, the wormhole animation was really cool too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Karma also, they're like a like deep cut Deep Space Nine race, I think. They're yeah, like one of the first... Are. One of the first uh, races that they met before they met the Dominion, they were like the the precursor yeah. to the Dominion, I think, or, so, or something like that. Well, yeah. yeah, they're sort of part of the like part of the they're part of the Dominion, but they're sort of sent as like a scout party, like a different yeah. scout party. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. So and like the designs were all right and everything, and it, like, it was it was just cool. Like they got so many details just right. Yeah. It was fun to hear Nana Visitor and mm-hmm. Armin Shimmerman back. Mm-hmm. I love when they do stuff like that. But now we kind of know a better um, timeline to put Lower Decks in. Yeah. Because it's still, I would, I don't know, where would you put it? Like five years after the end of Deep Space I believe Nine? that is where it is takes place. I've, I've yeah. seen read online yeah. that it's about five years after the end of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And 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 they literally even say in this episode, like they they say the word post-war, as in like the war is yeah. still a recent thing that's yeah. concluded. So yeah, five yeah. years, you know, or, or thereabouts sounds right. Yeah. Because I, I we all know the teaser that the um, Strange New Worlds is going to overlap um, into... Uh, lower decks we haven't seen it yet maybe mm-hmm. next week mm-hmm. <laughs> so i don't know how they're gonna do that yet well there's an episode coming up in two two episodes called crisis point two paradoxus i feel like there's okay. a chance there it could be in there something it could okay. be because because crisis point was the episode they did in season one that was the riff on the movies like when mariner goes into her holodeck therapy uh-huh. mm. uh, oh, okay, so, so it could so be a holodeck be, thing it could be yeah does that mm-hmm. is that disappointing do you do do you guys find that um do you think that's like an acceptable way to do it or is it just sort of like underwhelming when it just turns out to be a simulation all i'm hoping it's real and i'm not Mm. even sure if we'll get it in lower decks proper i wonder if we'll actually get it in strange new worlds um i don't know um how how do you get it in strange new worlds I yeah, don't know. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, but that's what I love. I love the challenge of it. Uh, they're going to do mm-hmm. a pure Roger Rabbit style and just not oh. mention it. No, it'd be good. Or like, I mean, have, there's or only... have like Tawny Newsome come on and be just Mariner. But that's like, what they should do, form. though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. That would be very cool. That would be mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. I, I, you know, they could either do it with a time travel or a, or a holodeck to make it like real or like a fantasy or a dream. <laughs> Or, well, anyway, let's talk about this episode. <laughs> let's talk about this episode, not one that didn't happen yet. I really I enjoyed, I, I was going to say, I really enjoyed too that, like, Chris, you'll know this because it's a fresh memory. Uh, the last episode, uh, the, the last episode of DS9, one of the very last scenes is... Uh, Kira now commanding the space station going into Quarks and basically just being like, ah, you know, we're going to do some, you know, like, and I'm, I'm going to nab you for this and basically doing the Odo thing and like yeah. part of their yeah. shtick. And it becomes like this whole thing. I love the fact that they kind of follow up on that where it's like Quark's still scheming. Kira still, yeah. you know, has her eye on it. Like, like yeah. nothing will ever change. I love yeah. that so much. <laughs> no, I like, yeah, sorry. Go Jay. I wonder if they tried to bring any other DS9 cast members back. I wonder, I wonder uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, like, yeah. Bashir could have still been on the station, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, he and Garrick have a place in Boca, so he can't. That's <laughs> true, right. right, right. <laughs> he, well, you no, know, he's, he's with Ezri Dax, other... I guess I learned that. Yeah, yeah, right. he, yeah. He yeah. Ended up yeah. Together. yeah. Mm-hmm. But wow. really, he ended up with Garrick. Let's, yeah, let's be real. I would say. I would say. He, he also had that weird bromance with Miles O'Brien. So they really did love each other. And they I did. Yeah. this about, I know we're not, I know this is not the episode we're reviewing, but in the finale <laughs> of Deep Space Nine, they did Jadzia Dax so dirty in those flashbacks. They have one uh, flashing back to Ezri Dax, and that's it. I just, yeah, that, I mean, so. Not to get too into it, but apparently they couldn't like apparently because when you are when when they when you when when you have to, if you're an actor like you have they to have authorize to your you. likeness they have Basically, to pay you have and you have to agree them. and she didn't agree yeah. basically so oh, they couldn't man. use okay, yeah so Terry Farrell yeah. was a little yeah. salty okay yeah well, okay. Yeah. Right. yeah yeah so uh, 
Other things I loved about this episode is her friends like we're hosting a salon and she's yeah, like I, I hate the way you're calling this party a salon and I, <laughs> I don't know that I don't think that's a reference to anything but it's just something that I really <laughs> love it's like their own joke reference to our friends from salon. art school Carrie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I went to art school I never got invited to any salon so maybe they were happening and they just didn't invite me yeah, they knew yeah, you were too cool for them the salon was kind of like was. weird forced group therapy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Kobayashi like Maroon to... dance. Kobayashi Maroon. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's some people who come to group therapy and, you know, they speak their own language. Um, that's not for us to understand. But yeah. that's what yeah. it felt like, where it was like, do something yeah. that's deep within your soul. It's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, draw upon your own personal vulnerabilities to make some sort of yeah. cultural impression on your friends. Uh, really, a really, really handy thing. I did, did really enjoy stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I did really enjoy um, um, Mariner's uh, uh, girlfriend saying at the end, "I was really waiting for you to just like rip my friends to shreds." Basically, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, like that." <clears throat> And, that's why and, I invited you to this party. Hmm? You, uh, so I'm going to, yeah. So like, yeah, exactly. I, I was kind of waiting for that. And, uh, you know, I, I was so glad when the episode gave that to me, but only because um, I'm a social moron. Um, so I'm just going to say this right now. So, you know, <laughs> all my, all my thoughts are wrong. Black is white, up is down, whatever. But the whole time I'm watching this episode, I'm just thinking like, she's meeting her friends for the first time and she's inviting her to this that feels kind of weird you know and mm -hmm. like a and like a we're gonna get so personal so fast in a way like i don't blame meritor for being kind of uncomfortable i would be uncomfortable with this um so i like the th I, I i i like that that is the you know hidden agenda there i thought that was really that i thought was a that was that was night maybe in the 24th am, mm -hmm. century this is just normal maybe yeah yeah i also so. Also, I am a social moron. So if someone, if someone, if someone wants to say like, Come no, this on, is actually huh? very common. We do this all. The time, I would be like, no, yeah. I think I think you're you're not a, you're not being. A, I don't think you are a social moron, and you're okay. also not being one. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, that's okay. being pretty hard. You're being pretty. Yeah, harsh you're being you're being, okay. mean, okay. you're being mean to my friend Michael Henley, and I think you need to <laughs> yeah. to work on okay. your work on your self talk. Maybe <laughs> I I appreciate I appreciate this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but also, also, <laughs> we, we just got real. We got really, really, This is a real salon. Yeah. This piece is called Michael Henley. Why won't you be kind to Michael Henley? No. Um, <laughs> can I play Michael Henley? You can play both my yes. Okay, I'll play both <laughs> Michael Henley. Wow. Wow. Sorry, Michael, you're a second, you're the understudy to play yourself in this piece. Right? I was rejected around. from my own life story. Yeah. That should be the offer only. We were lucky to get him. Yep. Yeah. Um, that is going to be the title of my autobiography, by the way. <laughs> understudy in my own life story. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, I do want to talk about how, how, you just knew that Tendi was going to unleash some sort of badassery as a Orion. Because you just, you got to, I mean, clearly she's just so capable. And I was glad that paid off as well. That was very enjoyable. And I liked Adam Pally as the uh, very annoying Orion uh, mm -hmm. uh, officer. He was great. How perfect <laughs> is it that he's from Cincinnati? Because it's a place that like we know, but it's also a place that's boring and it's just the perfect combination. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's sort of a paradox, right? Like if you know about a place, it can only be so boring. Yeah. So. I mean, you're from Ohio. It's not, yeah, yeah. It's not a yeah. not a lot going on there. Cleveland, so happy. Cleveland is fun. Cleveland's great. The Cincinnati, Cle not so much. Yeah. yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah. 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 I was so happy to hear Adam Pally's voice because like he is like literally funny in anything. I remember I was talking with my mom. My mom loves Cincinnati because she loves people from the Midwest. And she was talking about how it was a great city. And I said, like, what is there to do there? And she went, well, they have a great zoo. And that's how, like, she'd already lost the argument there. Yeah, I mean, with the zoo. No. Uh, I've never been to that zoo. I've been to a lot of zoos, uh, but uh, not the Cincinnati Zoo. And uh, also, there are great zoos kind of everywhere. I mean, it's really yeah. tough to make a Yeah, band. that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. It's not distinctive. It's yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the bad zoos you got to worry about. Yeah, that's, that's like, where you, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the, the Olive Garden on 5th is really good. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, you're not selling me, you know. I, I went I to an more. aquarium in, a, I went to an aquarium in a, um, 
it was in the Dubai Mall, and and uh, and um, so weird. They had um, piranhas, but like the top of the piranha tank was just like open, and I was like, this doesn't feel like super cool, like to be a thing that's, that's where like kids are coming through. Huh. You know, whatever. You know, you better, cool. you better hope the piranhas don't learn how to jump. Yeah, I was I was hoping that and keeping it moving. I was keeping it pumping they, through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they yeah. did. I thought they do only because of Mario Brothers. I yeah, don't I think know. those do definitely jump in Mario Bros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They figured they um, all jumped. This this isn't quite a zoo, but one time in Walmart, uh, the one in Christopher Columbus Boulevard, I passed by an aisle and all the merchandise had fallen over and there are a bunch of kids who are manning it as though it was a fort. That was pretty great. Aww, that's, that's so cute. That's yeah. really fun. I mean, they're also they... throwing throwing things at people. Yeah. So. Oh, okay, that's less cute, but okay. The most entertaining zoo I've ever been. To. Yeah. They yeah. they probably were also the ones to knock everything over, but <laughs> it's probably, probably also true. Yeah. In, in Houston, I went to the aquarium there, and they had like this ride on top of the aquarium that was like you go through, and like a fake shark comes out. And then after, like, cl clearly it's part of the aquarium. And at the end, they're like, this ride's sponsored by Landry's Seafood. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And, uh, they're like the people who, like, sponsored the whole aquarium. And I was like, this is some, like, Muppet villainry right here. Yeah. <laughs> seafood Please. company that runs the aquarium. Yeah. I don't know about that. Uh, Only in Houston. Come yeah, visit our supply. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I just gonna... an elongated, like, it's just an elongated picking out your lobster. It's a long game. It's the long game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the other thing I wanted to like that I liked about this episode was that Brad uh, Bold Boimler came out again. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Dabo oh, boy, Boimler, yes. Was, like, so good at Dabo. He's like, no, I'm not cheating. I'm just good at this. I'm bold Boimler. And then at the end, he just was like, no, I don't want, I don't need that Latin. We don't use money. Who wants a gift certificate? <laughs> <laughs> and then he leaves with all this like merch, like Deep Space Nine merch, which I think is really fun. I and I also like the fran Quark franchisee. Quark fan tr franchises make so much sense. I mean, it's just yeah. the perfect. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So much sense. I loved how, how like there are such dorks for Deep Space Nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yep, they wanted to recreate all the Deep Space Nine things and sit up, dangle their feet off of the promenade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's even a reference to uh, the Taylor Shop, which I'm assuming Garrick is no longer there, but somebody's got to be there. So I thought that was cool yeah. too. Yeah, Love you it. Gotta get your clothes, Taylor. Wait, what was mm -hmm. traveling? What was the reference to the Taylor Shop? I think when the camera are, are kind of getting the tour and they're getting more and more kind of disappointed, they talk about like things that are disappointing them and they're just talking about like, this is it, this is your tour, like a, you know, a, a cheap tailor shop and a blah, 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 something <laughs> like that. It's some, it's some kind of line like that. Yeah, like a throwaway mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you are ever hosting, I think this is a great episode to watch if you're ever hosting, say, a Trixgiving like I do, to get the names of drinks that you could serve. At. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Thanksgiving, because there's like practically just a list of every single drink or alcohol that you could possibly order in. And Morton was, yeah, they had Morton in the episode too, right? So yeah, I was just about to mention Morton was yeah. there. Yes, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I, I, I love the fidelity to, you know, no matter what, Morton's got to be there. Um, yeah. I, um, uh, I don't. So upset if Morton. People would have been there. really upset. People would have been, been really so upset. Mad. Um. <laughs> Uh, I, I haven't played it much, but I do know, like, um, I played a little bit of Star Trek Online, which is like that huge, you know, MMO, MMORP. Michael Henley, pro mobile gamer? Uh, you will, no, uh, well, I mean, it, console, PC gamer, honestly, oh, because PC you can gamer. get to explore the whole galaxy. And you go to Deep Space yeah. Nine, which is, you know, a, uh, a pretty faithful uh, replication of Deep Space Nine, and Morn is there. And one of the interactive things you can do is basically you can listen to a Morn story, and it literally does the cut to black. And like three hours later, I'm just like, these people yeah. get it. They get it. Yeah, that's fun. Well, maybe I have to play that now. Never stops, Morn never stops talking. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll give Star Trek Online another shot. I started the yeah. Klingon storyline, and then I got to the Klingon homeworld, and I saw Worf had left Starfleet, and I don't know. And joined, I, and was uh, was li living on Kronos? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, spoilers, but I mean, also, you'll get there in, like, less than an hour, so not okay. really spoilers. Well, do we have any other thoughts on this episode before we move on to talk about Jay's choice for the day? Mm, there's... 
It's just awesome. a beautiful confection, you know? Mm-hmm. Just a lovely, tasty treat. Yeah. 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 Well, in that case, I'm going to take symbolically take these reins and hold on. One, two, three, and toss. Jay, catch him. Ah, you got me in my eye. Uh, well, <laughs> what can you do? You weren't paying attention. It's <laughs> on me. Um, yes, way to blame the victim, Chris. So let's that's, move on. That's that's what what I did. Wow. <laughs> Season one. Let's keep taking six. dark turns today on Prime Subjective. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Season one, episode episode thirteen, Dear Doctor. Um, and I'm not really going to give a detailed synopsis of this episode, but rather a sort of overview. Um, it's it's an episode which is from the perspective of the ship's doctor, Flox, who is not human. He is one of two non-human crew members. Um, in fact, he's a Denobulan, which is a species that we don't really see before Enterprise. Um, they're sort of very open-minded, scientific, but and curious. And he's he's basically struggling to navigate his role as a doctor on a mostly human ship. And it ranges from little things like trying to connect with his crew member, with his fellow crew members, and not really having any friends. To bigger things like navigating a potential romantic relationship to navigating a really big thing which is that they encounter a species that is dying of a plague and flocks and captain archer are end up being of two very different minds on how to handle the situation of the species dying out and whether or not they should be helped mm-hmm. but yeah i love this episode mm-hmm. um it's really it good is, it's good on so many levels it's so pleasing to watch it's just very pleasing and soothing to see it's very it's shot as though it's a day in the life of this doctor and he's actually narrating the episode to someone who's a pen pal basically mm-hmm. and so you get to see him feeding his pets and interacting with patients there are all these little fun scenes where he forces someone to to have, to give him advice by doing dental work on them and while he's <laughs> while he's repairing their teeth asking them questions and they're struggling to respond yeah Um, same way I'm sure you've had with your dentist and Mm -hmm. it has just has a lot of very poignant clearly stated truths about humanity and human nature Mm -hmm. and it takes on a very nuanced difficult issue at the end which is that they they're they've met this race who are two who are dying from a disease that they're too primitive to cure um and this race lives in coexists with another more primitive race on their home planet. The more advanced race is dying out, but the more primitive race is fine. And Phlox realizes that the more advanced race is dying of a genetic disease and that this is nature is basically killing them off and that the more primitive species is advancing, becoming more intelligent, either developing motor skills, neural connections, and that they will replace them. So to cure this, this species that's dying out would be to to stop an evolutionary process that has been millennia in the making and will continue to proceed. Whereas the cap, whereas the humans on the ship want to interfere and save the species. Um, and that's sort of the first, it, canonically, it's the first, it, the first taste of the prime directive happening, right? Do you interfere with the yeah. natural development of a species or do you interfere uh, or do you, yeah. do, do you mess with nature to save people who are dying? I'm glad you chose this episode as I rewatched it because I had forgotten about it. I'm like, this is a very good episode, especially for Enterprise, and it's in the first season. Yep. Um, and the Archer has always always bothered me as a captain because he always seemed so angry all the time. Yeah. He never really toned down his anger. But in this episode, he is actually he actually listens to people and takes their advice responds angrily but he he actually is affected by what uh, people are saying around him so I I enjoy that and there's you're right it's so nuanced because it brings up I feel like it's also that one big issue of do we help that culture or not but there's all these tiny little issues yeah underneath like just because they're different from you does that make it wrong Mm -hmm. like that's not your culture but that's their culture you know, so at what point do you step in and 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 intervene, or do you at all? Um, you know. I also enjoyed um, 
because you were saying the multiple layers I mean also the uh the romance that comes up with his crewmate and then him saying mm -hmm. well are you single and she's like no I, I'm I, I wouldn't I would tell you if I was seeing someone he's like I'm married yeah. I have three wives and they all have yeah. two husbands and and I was like I've had this conversation yeah. at the gay bar um uh, <laughs> oh, by the way. in a lot of ways in a lot of ways gay folks are are, are like denoblians and do have multiple partners and or, yeah. or open things or different non yeah. non-traditional situations and so i was relating to it in that way where um so i thought that was really interesting i i have heard john billingsley say at an interview like oh we were i was the first bisexual character on star trek <laughs> like <laughs> this that's just what my culture was it's right. just you know that's they they worked that into the culture which was interesting yeah and and by the way and uh crewman cutler um played by Kelly Waymeyer is has did pass away unlike Jennifer Lee no wait really yeah did, uh didn't I think she passed away in the middle of the show didn't she am I right about that Carrie mm, it oh. says she passed or away in 2003 was... so I think she probably not I don't think so oh wait no, uh, no I, I think so that is yeah this during the show because yeah. the show lasts till 2005 yeah <gasps> okay she oh, had God, what uh, happened she had a heart attack so there was this one heart heart failure and so they did have that one scene they were talking about the heart and yeah. uh matters of the heart and I was like oh my god that's so so poetic and she passed away she was 36 oh my god she was in a lot of shows like oh you've she just pops up you'll see her face she was on Voyager too I think mm. yeah wow well, that's so sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. Good. I was just going to say, well, at least we still have Jennifer Leon is still alive. I just wanted to <laughs> at least have some good news there. Yeah. If only because I thought she was dead. So it's like sort of, you know, anyway, I'll go move on. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I was I was I was going to say something kind of controversial, honestly, if only because, I, you know, I don't like to stack shows against each other too much, you know, or whatnot. Um, no, I no, I was just, just going to say um, what I like so much about this episode is how small it is and how yeah. attentive it, it, it has characters that. <clears throat> you know, kind of talk like people, and especially thinking about Ensign Cutler, and I'm definitely, you know, and and uh, obviously, you know, Flox uh, uh, is, but he does though, even though he is, you know, an, an an alien, and even though he's giving his perspective on humanity, like the dialogue in this episode is really sharp, and like I really like Voyager. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, especially if you compare it to Star Trek Voyager, sometimes where it's just like. I'm not sure I still buy Tom Paris as a character kind of thing, basically. And it's just, and since the shows are kind of back to back, it's just, it's just something they kind of think about. Yeah. Um, but I, I, again, I'm not trying to bash another show or anything like that. Um, but I, I thought this was, and confidently small too, because it would be easy yeah. to make one of the alien species more of an out and out villain. And they don't, they don't do that. Even their reaction to, the rejection of we're only going to help you so far is very understated. And I really, really like that. It focuses yeah. squarely on the moral dilemma. I think my, my the only thing about this episode is I actually wish there was more time spent dealing with the dilemma because I feel like the flocks and archer scene that happens towards the end in the mess hall could be even longer. Um, uh, it, it says everything. It, 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 it hits everything it wants to say, but I just, I kind of wanted a little bit more room to breathe, but I mean, it's still, it's a very strong scene. I, I guess for people yeah. who haven't watched the episode, the scene that Mike is referring to is one where Archer is, Archer asks Flocks, Archer and Flocks are talking about the situation and Flocks articulates that he doesn't want, that he doesn't think that they should interfere and in that this more advanced species that's dying out is meant to die out so that the more primitive species can continue evolving and take their place. Mm -hmm. And Archer realizes, and Phlox does admit that that Phlox has actually found a cure to the disease. And Phlox begs the captain to not use it because they shouldn't interfere with the evolutionary with the evolutionary process. And Archer is is angry that Phlox has willing to stand by while a race dies and flocks decides against his against you know his initial instinct to leave this decision in the hands of the captain and to trust the captain even though he's found humans to be <clears throat> emotional and impulsive um empathetic to a fault and irrational he decides that he's going to trust archer even though he has misgivings about it yeah 
Archer does give a a little bit later a kind of a cheesy prime directive speech that I I, that I, I didn't like the writing on that. One day I agree. my people will have a directive telling mm-hmm. me what to do. But until that day, <laughs> I will have to remind myself constantly. He and he does it, give them he doesn't give them the full cure, right? He gives them like a something they, to mitigate the symptoms. Them, yeah, basically, yep, exactly. Ibuprofen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. just basically Tylenol. Um, doesn't do much. Um, I, it is a weird ethical question because you could, the more you think about it, the more you don't really have, there's no direct answer to it. Well, know? and this it's is why like, this is Jay's favorite, one of Jay's favorite episodes because yeah. you know what Jay loves. Loves shades of mother gray. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> <laughs> not one. He don't give him anything black and white. He wants it nice no, and murky no. and questionable. Yeah. And murky and questionable. Give me something to think about. Um, yeah, and he yeah. loves a he loves a um, a intelligent um, uh, questioning authority type person who is going to make everyone else question what they're thinking. Um, like Dr. Yeah. Flox. You need that. It's, that's need that's that. the yeah. best stuff, and, yeah. And he's he's written so, like, there's so many little details that give so much life to this character. Like when he's, uh, the person who he's a pen pal with is, is a human doctor serving on his home planet. So it's sort of in mirror situations. And, yeah. and he's exhausted because it's mating season. Mating season. And <laughs> Flox says, you know, part of, one thing that can Sorry help you during mating that. season is, you know, a dose of this drug helps separate the combatants. And that that one word is so, it it opens up like so many different images and questions, but it's just one small detail in a conversation and Phlox moves on. Um, You see some of his extended family later on in the series. I can't remember exactly when, but I do remember like one of his wives shows up because she's marrying somebody else. So somebody else is coming into the family. So they just have this giant family structure. Yeah, I love that. Um, he gives me dr fox gives me like fraser crane vibes i can see that i can (laughs) see that yeah um (laughs) um so wait does that does that make archer niles then interesting Hmm, interesting uh one of the things one of the things i really like about this episode too (laughs) is that this episode is borrowing from a couple different traditions because i think um next gen ds9 i think every the the doctor definitely on voyager um all the shows had at least one episode that's told from this person's perspective and they're they're capturing a log and all that kind of stuff and this one does kind of does a variation on that yeah, data, data yep. definitely on next gen. What's the um, DS9 one that you're thinking of? There's an Odo, there's at least one or two Odo ones that are strictly from his perspective, and it even it bookends with him recording a log and whatnot. Um I just can't think of the specific Woke episode, up in a bucket like today, and then I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, similar to that. <laughs> it's like that. my bucket, my um, bucket. <laughs> um i harassed the, i harassed pork without any evidence yet again <laughs> definitely infringing his civil liberties <laughs> um but uh the other thing too is um uh i'm going to go down my classic tv rabbit hole for just a second uh if you'll indulge sure, me sure. uh which uh-huh. is that the imdb computer go ahead well no um <laughs> as someone uh you know as someone who uh grew up you know in the summertime you know watching a lot of daytime tv that means that uh you watch a lot of reruns of old shows and one of those old shows that you fall in love with you know if you're someone of my age is mash um and this show definitely has a lot of mash dna in it because specifically mm-hmm. there would always be episodes of that show i think maybe they did like one a season or something like that where hawkeye pierce would be writing home to his dad and kind of doing a little bit of a day in the life and then kind of something more dramatic happens and i was i was thinking about that which is like yeah but that's just a framing device why is this so resonant why is this really reminding me of that and i think even though they're very different the you know you know obviously not just the environs but like there's you know the the enterprise is on an exploration and peacekeeping mission it's not a war you know situation whatsoever but both of those both those type of episodes on mash and this episode was very much about stole from the perspective of a, do- of a doctor mm-hmm. who is doing trying to do the best he can of the job he has 
even though he is maybe part of a mission that at times can be fundamentally opposed to what he to what he values. Um, and in MASH, it's it's more the simple case of we're we're basically sewing these people back up. Um, you know, basically so they can be ripped apart again, you know, and if there's and 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 the the central absurdity of that and the 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 futility of that. And here it's something more where even though Flox is a doctor, he is taking the long approach of, you know, this is something evolutionary. This is something maybe we shouldn't interfere with. Um, and it's I think it's so interesting that normally you would see the doctor on the side of no, we need to help people right now. We can't think about the long-term things we need to but um and it's archer instead who takes the role of no we should be helping people right now that's what we're here to do and i think that's so interesting especially because neither one of them is wrong you know Flo Flo it could be easily very easy to miswrite this episode where flocks just looks cold and unfeeling and kind of monstrous but like that's not the way it comes across at all and i think that's so it's very deft writing i really enjoy that a lot i i, I love that they kind of use that kind of framework from mash as like an inspiration i think for this episode well, uh, whenever MASH came on, I had to leave. I was like, well, guess TV time is over. I'm turning off the TV. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I heard that MASH theme song, I was like, oh, geez. Mm -hmm. my, now this is the end of my viewing. <laughs> I keep trying to summon the MASH theme in my head, and all I can hear is the theme song to Are You Being Served? I don't know what wire oh, is crossed no, wait, I think <laughs> in my brain. It. I think I can do it because I only listen to the theme song because then I turned it off. And do, 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 oh, yeah. do, 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 It's like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Meanwhile, you know, in my head, I heard, that's the, that's, are you, ground for gents ready-made suits, suits and haberdashery, going up. That's the, uh, so Are You Being Served was a Britcom from the 70s, Jay. Uh, okay, um, thank you, thank you. I, I, I enjoy how Michael did a very thorough intellectual like review of the show and we're like, blue, blue, blah, blue, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Well. <laughs> <laughs> I counter uh, your intellect with some of this slapstick. Yeah, there, there are sort of two remaining big topics that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. One is about the supporting crew of Enterprise, because I really found the supporting crew lacking uh, when I watched the show, and a number of them are bland, but that's fine. Um, the, the one supporting crew member who really keeps on coming up again and again this episode is Hoshi, who's a linguistics officer. Mm -hmm. And that's a really interesting space to explore from in the Star Trek universe, because in all the later shows, there's just a universal translator. And so... This this person who has to under who has to kind of understand language on the fly in this more primitive time is a fascinating fascinating idea, especially because this is someone who has to be like quick on their feet, quick to be able to analyze cultures and try and and maybe like use contextual clues to understand language that they're unfamiliar with, to understand how like differently differently other cultures might think. There are all these stories where like male you know male um anthropologists will find like ruins from previous civilizations and they'll go like what the hell is this and then a female anthropologist comes in and goes like oh like this is a room in which like mothers would come together to care for <laughs> their babies and like you need a different perspective to understand a culture right and this episode really drove home for me just how dis just how much of a disappointment hoshi was um because she had this so much potential as a character to be like someone on yeah. their feet to who was interpreting like practices and language from other civilization but instead she basically just like plays on a game boy to understand language yeah <laughs> yeah I, I hear what you're saying i obviously blame the writers of course I of mean, course i don't blame yeah. the i don't yeah. blame but no, the but I, no, no. But yeah. I, because because i think they did that also with the um to paul to paul character because there was so much more to her than the sex appeal that they were giving her yeah and they and she had a, a few really good episodes where she's struggling with her emotions and one time she is like essentially essentially raped not like physically but like mental emotionally like yeah. mental something was done to her against her will the old Deanna Troy yeah, she had a lot of that sort of like in her that you could see, but then 
but then it, it kept it it just kept then it kept backing off of it you know they didn't they didn't see through it so i think the same thing with um with hoshi too and i guess a lot of the characters but i think that's yeah i could see that huge yeah. writing challenge to write the yeah. hoshi character well um, yeah it's really difficult she I, I, struggled I, yeah. in the first season it was a lot of self-confidence for her she was scared she didn't yes. want to go to space she didn't want to do it she she didn't think she could do it she was like low self-esteem and it was frustrating to watch a little yeah well yeah it's it's it was frustrating to watch especially because the show is star trek enterprise the very first episode is we're going out in space we're going to places we've never been it's weird from an audience perspective to have a character who however realistic it is basically just being like oh i don't want to be here because it's just mm-hmm. like but i want to be here you know they, it almost puts you on opposite yeah. sides of them mm-hmm. yeah um I guess no that i is a- I guess that is like an archetype that they're putting on Star Trek a lot. They're always, now that I'm thinking about it, because we've been talking about it more, they mm-hmm. tend to insert a character who's less sure of themselves to guess, I guess, balance off. They didn't always do that. You mean like the Tilly but it's kind starting, of character? Yeah, like a Tilly yeah. or something that's like somebody who's, we have all of these confident people, let's give somebody... <laughs> let's get somebody in that's a little awkward or yeah. i guess oh yeah. i guess bark barkley would have been a good example yeah. of that character yeah it, it it almost feels like an unfortunate linking of if we're creating a character they should be neurotic that means they should be insecure but there are a lot of ways that someone can be neurotic yeah. or idios- idiosyncratic oh, yeah. uh, without yeah. necessarily being that way i find it interesting that you like i understand why barkley's mentioned in the same breath as those other two characters but the reason why Barkley holds up so much better than the other two characters, in my opinion, is because he's not afraid. Like, he wants to explore the same way the audience member does. He's just genuinely intimidated by being yeah. around these, like, yeah. fantastically smart, talented, and confident mm-hmm. people. Socially and that's really awkward. Yeah, that's socially so awkward. That's like the Tendi. That's like the Tendi character also yeah. yes. on yeah, uh, I, Lower Decks. I, yeah. Is like that, too. And, and Barkley's good at his job. Um, you know, like as it, it's completely a social thing because if you put him in his yeah, element, after that like first he, episode, yeah. he becomes good at his job. In that first episode, yeah. that's when no, that that first episode they win because he's good at his job. Like he's the yeah, one who figures out. The beginning these... of the episode, he's not he's not showing up on time and doing his thing. But, but that's uh, that's different though. That's that we're we're, we're talking. <laughs> I'm talking about attitude. You're talking I'm about sorry. discipline. That's different. I'm sorry I brought up Barkley, but my <laughs> I guess my point is is that they were they're all good at their job. They're mm-hmm. all yes. super great. But yeah. they yeah. have yeah. this like something social anxiety, something working against them. Yeah. Well, and in Strange New Worlds, we're kind of getting that again. We're getting uh the we're getting Uhura in more in the vein of um of Hoshi, where yes. she doesn't want to be in space, and there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still, it's it's odd. It is odd. Mm-hmm. As a as a female person watching shows that are sci-fi shows, um, not just Star Trek, um, I'm thinking about like the 13th Doctor on Doctor Who too. And mm-hmm. I feel I feel this way about it. I feel like they writers don't often know for some reason what to do with them. They they maybe there needs to be more women writers in the room or something. I, I don't yeah. know the answer, but somehow the and obviously there are exceptions. This is not across the board, but I, I sense this like, I don't know what to do. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. What if I, what if I mess up? I want to go home. And even like, I'm thinking about the 13th doctor, like you have yeah. lived how many thousands of years and you're all just walking around going, I don't know. I don't know. What is that? I don't know. Like, I don't remember anything. I don't know. It's like, you know a little bit like you're yeah. not stupid and it was it's not act- how any of the previous doctors had approached any of them no. yeah. yeah so no. anyway yeah. uh i yeah. i guess i sort of that's what came to my mind because we were talking about i don't know hoshi and uhura and to paul it's like why are you making them so <laughs> like they don't know what they're doing when they clearly do i feel I think you're absolutely right. Um, and and I think that you know, I, I think that for a lot of male writers, I think when they're envisioning female characters, I think they go one of two directions. Either they are not allowed to have flaws because they're afraid of 
writing flaws and writing them wrongly, or they write flaws, but they write flaws that are very in very pre-approved kind of mm-hmm. stock fashion. I think um, yeah. they 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 kind of don't they don't they don't have the kind of courage to make the characters kind of live and breathe as as much as they could. Not not yeah. not not every no. single writer out yeah. there, but. No, they, yeah, they, no, they show up a lot in genre shows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is everything. Everybody does no. that, but I, 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 I see it a lot. And yes. I guess why I'm thinking, when I think about enterprise, I think about this often too, because of the way they treat the female characters yeah. on this show mm-hmm. that it, that's yeah. what stands out to me the most. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Jay, did you have one more thing you wanted to to bring up uh, about Strange New Worlds? I think you said you had one more big topic, big subject. Oh yeah, one about a, a enterprise. Um, there's, oh, yeah. I, I've always like, it's hard for to whenever you think about a Star Trek show, I feel like you have to you have to kind of think about what sets it apart from the rest of the pack. And I didn't one one of the reasons why I I was choosing between this and another episode, and my misgiving about showing this episode is that. It didn't really feel unique in in the Star Trek anthology. Like I feel like a similar episode could exist in Next Generation and does, arguably, um, mm-hmm. or or in Deep Space Nine or in Voyager. And I feel like I chose an episode that fits the mold of those shows more than one that shows what Enterprise did that the other ones didn't do. Um, and I, ch- I intentionally chose an episode from Enterprise because I felt like otherwise we might just skip it over. <laughs> no, I think this was a great episode. This was a really good choice because yeah. even though they did do touch on these themes in other uh, series, I think that the writing on this one was was really yeah. exceptional. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think I'm even going to disagree with you, Jay, I think a little bit, if only because I think that um, – because of when the show is set where there is no prime directive you're ripping away kind of one of the safety nets that a story like this could use when it's told in other series so i actually think that selecting this episode actually really does speak to enterprise's strengths um you know one of the things i was going to say is that um you know i i have always had this weird relationship to enterprise where i've always felt it was a good idea that i think the writing kind of did not really quite deliver on um and one of the things that i I think is very interesting about that is that it's reverse engineering all these creative decisions that on the original show were just invented to kind of get to the action faster. And Hoshi is a linguist uh, who has to kind of figure out alien languages on the fly. And the reason they right. never did that on the original show is because like, well, we didn't write, want to write scenes of people learning languages, you know, for five minutes. Um, you know, uh, why did we invent the transports? Like, so we can bring people down to the action. Boom, you're done. You know, like we got a show to write. Everybody, let's keep it moving. Um, and here you have a show that's kind of reverse engineering that stuff. And just being like, but what happened before that? Um, and I and I remember even at the time thinking like, ooh, that's a challenge. You're kind of like undoing a lot of these choices that they made in order to get to the action quicker. Um, and I always felt like the show never really quite met that challenge, I think, in certain yeah. respects. But sometimes it did. And yeah. I think something like this, where it really relishes the fact that there is no prime directive – to tell them what to do. It's people just kind of grasping with, with an ethical decision with no guidance. I think it's a really cool idea. And I, I really like this episode a lot. I, it's something that I wish they would have done more often in other shows, and especially in Voyager. I wish there would have been more of a struggle with um, language and communication. 100%. A little bit. A little bit. I'm not saying the whole show had to be like a struggle for communication, but it shouldn't have been as easy as it was. That's all. I'll, That's what I'll, I'm thinking. I'll, 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 I'll top you i I really think that they should have in voyager i think there should have been more struggles with the prime directive because Mm -hmm. you know like this idea of just like yeah that's great about the non-interference and stuff like that but what about when you're desperate and trying to get home and you still need to keep the replicators working and stuff like that you know do you remember there was a episode season um called equinox i remember that of course yes. it's when oh, yes. they meet the other mm-hmm. ship that was also stranded mm-hmm. in the delta quadrant mm-hmm. and you could see see the difference and these people mm-hmm. didn't they were like fuck the prime directive we gotta get mm-hmm. it we gotta that's do true what we, we gotta, gotta capture do. these plasma aliens yeah yeah. Their power. yeah and yeah. so you had that sort of like contrast of like what would have been if we did it this way i don't know anyway yeah. what i like but, about yeah. that episode I is at the end, those three those three people who are left from the other ship are basically like Oh, by the way, you're coming with us back to the 
back to earth, but you're going to be basically, you know, just, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> working like janitorial st uh, staff and we yeah. won't see you ever you're again. On, we never saw show. them again. We never yeah. saw them again. You're on Twitter, <laughs> Jenny. Bye. Anyway, I digress. I digress. But this is what this, this, uh, the Enterprise episode brings up. Yeah. One one thing that Enterprise did get did get to that I thought was really interesting at the end is that it's sort of pioneering like the formation of the Federation and the Federation doesn't exist yet, but there's a lot of political um, political machinations between mm -hmm. the Vulcans, the Andorians, and the Tellarites and the humans, and the Enterprise mm -hmm. sort of has to has to play like as a peacekeeper between these species because the, yeah. the Andorians and the Vulcans hate each other, and the Tellarites don't really like any of the others either um and i found that fascinating that like the humans are repeatedly like diffusing these di these diplomatic blow these potential diplomatic blow-ups and sort of making this into a show that was actually about the administration of what would become the federation it's mm -hmm. sort of an interesting bird's eye view and something that you don't mm -hmm. see in like in in space operas and science fiction very often because it's so much easier to go like well this is a story about an intrepid explorer going through right. space rather mm -hmm. than this is the story mm -hmm. about like the many different systems and machinations that come together to make like a messy multicultural democracy work yeah um, yeah it's always like we got to go to this planet and mine spice so we can live forever it's never here's how the infrastructure of intergalactic <laughs> yeah <laughs> And um, I think the show did not get to 100 episodes, which is why it isn't in syndication. It was that definitely was the rule. killed before its time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Has a very strange but interesting finale where it's. I, I kind of don't like it. I feel like watch I, up to the last episode, but then don't watch the last episode. I think I think that's a I think that's a that's a popular opinion I that I happen to share. I do not care for the finale. I mean, it's, yeah. it's weird. It's weird. And it's definitely not what the show deserved. But I respect it for just how bold of a concept it is. Like yeah. in, for people who haven't watched it, it all happens. It's it's all framed as Riker in one in the in the episode of the Next Generation called the Pegasus, which is not even like it's a really good episode, but it's not like the best of both worlds or something. Um, <laughs> in which he's struggling with the decision in that episode, so he uses the holodeck to visit the Enterprise. It's so bizarre and it's very up. strange. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so it strange. Like, I so like two thousand four, two thousand five, Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, yeah. Back to film an episode. Oh, yeah. To, to oh, play yeah. 1994, Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes. Frakes. Yes. Yeah. And, he, yeah. and he's like <laughs> yeah. on the bridge with the Enterprise. Y'all, now I have oh, yeah. to watch that. I it's, have to watch yeah. that now. It's so, I, I I respect it for how bizarre and bold it, it is. is. Like, that's bizarre. a bold decision. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's definitely very bold to just be like, what do you want to do for the Enterprise finale? Uh, I don't know. Do you want to write an episode of Next Generation and see if a lot of us get away with it? They sure. Let's do that. It. They had to end it. They got creative. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's funny. That's very funny. <sighs> oh man, well we are actually coming to the end of our time, my friends. Time isn't real. Time is a flat, flat, wibbly wobbly circle. Oh, and yet, gosh. also wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy. Yeah, we're in the we're in the we're in the dot of the eye of Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. Um, oh. <laughs> but um, anybody have any final thoughts on these episodes or any mm. recommendations? I have an anecdote that my friend told me that is in yeah, Every mind. time I ask for something, Carrie's like, hey, I heard what you said. Well, <laughs> what I'm going to do is <laughs> exactly yeah, what I want. Exactly what kind of person I am. So I you know. pretty much I, nailed it. I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm like, not, I, I really noting. like your idea. I really like your idea, but I want to cool, do something else. But instead, let's get pizza. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, my friend who went to Rowan University, apparent John Billingsley is apparently from Media PA. So oh yeah, hey, yeah. So my friend who went to Rowan University, and I guess a relative of his works there. Maybe his mom or something works at Rowan. And so my friend goes to like the bookstore, and John Billingsley is just sort of there, hanging out, volunteering, working at the bookstore one day. That's and awesome. my friend, and my friend is like couldn't quite place him because it's weird to see somebody so out of place yeah <laughs> and and took him a while to realize who he was like it was probably a day later but was that john Billingsley? was that that's so funny oh, that's anyway 
it's weird and it has nothing to do with me and it's not even my story so um <laughs> there's that <laughs> and that's carrie's final thought and recommendation is an anecdote <laughs> from someone else <laughs> i love that very much um anybody else have a recommendation uh, a final thought oh. or an anecdote from a friend I have a recommendation for the ages. It's called The Most Unwanted Song, and it's a musical composition from 1997 where uh, this, this group interviewed, like they did a survey of Americans to find out what sounds they found most annoying, and they made it into like a two-minute song, and it is so wild. Large parts of it are this operatic soprano rapping about being a cowboy, and like there's a, there's a children's chorus, and children are like, you know, really fucking annoying. Uh, and there's a children's <laughs> chorus singing about different holidays and telling you to shop at Walmart and there are people slamming their instruments but it's also oh like still melodic Jesus. it is truly a work of art oh it is amazing. check that out that's fun that's amazing so yeah. funny it's incredible that's well, okay so i'm gonna put adding it to my list michael Hamlin, <laughs> you have any final thoughts recommendations songs mm, uh i wish i did but i don't i got nothing i'm sorry that's okay. You're good. Once again, no news is good news. It's all good. Yeah. I've got a good recommendation for a show that I just started watching that's now in its second season on HBO Max called Los Spookies, which is oh, okay. a really funny, like, <laughs> kind of horror weirdo. It's it's hard, really hard to explain what the show actually is. Yeah, I but was it's about Julio to watch Torres. that. Okay. No, I highly recommend it. It's really good. It's really, like, absurd and funny and um, interesting and very just, like, talk about wanting people to just like lean into their own idea of what they want to make something it's just so specific so uh, you just cool. check it Losa spookies check it out hbo max cool, very good cool, 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 cool. yeah cool yeah i'm sorry if you are going to listen to the most unwanted song i highly recommended listening to the version on youtube with the score because the score is hilarious okay yeah noted <laughs> Should we um, end on the MASH theme song? I was going to say we should absolutely end on the MASH theme song. <laughs> you don't want a soprano rapping about being a cowboy? I don't have the music Yo-ho, yet. Oh, it's home <laughs> on the range. Home on a cowboy running free. Wow. 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 There was a, uh, there's a lot going on with that. Me, me and that song, both unwanted, baby. Ooh.